0: Well good morning church family. Happy Father's Day. It is good to see each and every one of you. Hopefully your wives and children have already wished you that and and hopefully you're taking care of them sometime after this service or or what have you and you got some plans but we're so thankful for you. If you're joining us online thank you so much for being here. We're so thankful for what God um, is doing in and through the lives here at Real Life Church. And and uh, so if you are new, welcome. We're so thankful that you're here. Uh, my name is Pastor Joel Oates. I'm the lead pastor here at Real Life, and um, and it has been a joy to be with you and the many, many more years uh, that God has in store for us here. So um, I wanted to start out this morning by reading just a small little tribute to dads. So dads, this this is for you. Dads, this day is for you. A day where you don't have to mow the lawn, round up your weeds, or or throw more rock down in the garden for a better look, right? A a day when the trash man can actually be a trash woman for one day. A day when watching football and sports is offered to you rather than robbed from you. Yeah. Uh, uh, dads, on this day, you don't have to fill up the car with gas because it unknowingly landed on E, right? Or or do an oil change because the people that you love in your lives aren't sure how long the oil light has been on. A day when the famous question our children love to ask us, uh, "Hey, Dad, can I can I get some money?" won't be asked for a full 24 hours. Yeah. Dads, on this day, you can wake up late, go to bed early. A day where the dog poop in the backyard is touched and cleaned up by someone else's hands. A day when doing nothing actually means something. This is a day where your efforts are finally being seen and your and glorious appreciation is being offered. A day when we say to all the fathers and men in the audience, thank you guys. Thank you. Truly thank you for you. Yeah Now, I, if you're anything like me, I, you know, I, as a dad, as a husband, as a father, um, as a man, um, I, I look at a day like this and, and it causes me to reflect. It causes me to look back. And, and the truth is is I want to look at my life, and I want to look at my life even years from now, and I want my life to matter. I want my life to count. I want to truly see my life count. For something, you know, in, in the great words of the philosopher and great wise sage, Elastigirl from the movie, Mr. Incredible, uh, she said, you've got only one shot at this, so make it count. So I, I want to have it, I want my life to count. I want it to mean something. I want it to, to, to matter. I don't want to go years down the road and look 20 years back saying, I wish I would have, Right? Or, or if only I, and then kind of fill in the blank. I, you know, I, I, I want it to mean something. So I grew up in a family uh, of four boys, uh, no girls. I've shared with you that before. And, and my dad was in the Marine Corps for 23 years. And then he retired, and then he got out, and, uh, and he served another 27 years for a total of 50 years of government service before he retired again. And so my dad was very busy, um, most, m- most of his life, and he was traveling a lot, and he was overseas, and he was on on tours, and all kinds of different things like that. Uh, but can I, I can say this about my dad: in all the travels, and all the things that, all the places that he went, um, I I never felt like my dad was was absent. You know, I I felt like he was he was there. So at dinner time, he would he would open up. You know, it seemed like it, that he'd always open up the Bible and. He'd share from God's word what God was teaching with him, with all the boys and and family, and and we'd kind of go there. And then at the sporting events, he was the one holding the, you know, the video camera, the old school video camera. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's no longer the, it was like the old school little, okay, box on the arm sort of thing. And then, and some of the pictures would be like this, because mom's shaking his arm saying, which one's Joel? You know what I'm saying? Or, you know, and so you got a kind of a wobbly picture. But dad seemed to always... He always seemed to be there. I mean, he always seemed to be a, a great model of what a, a good marriage looked like. He always loved mom well and, and dated her all you know throughout all these years. And why do I share that? I don't share that to say, hey, look at my dad. What I want to share with all the men and fathers and, and dads here is, is I want you to know because you may be asking this question. You may look back and go, I wasn't that Joel. But what I want to encourage you with this morning, I want you to know it's possible. It's possible. You can begin to be the man of God that He needs you to be starting today. It's possible. That's what's, that's what's incredible about our God. So what does God really want for fathers? What does He want from fathers? Now, I think I would shortchange this this morning if I just talked about how you dads and, and, and men and husbands and stuff, you guys can be, you know, a, a better parent. Okay, I think, I, I don't think that's the heart of the issue. I don't think even talking about being a better husband and loving our wives the right way, even though these things are important. So hear me, these are important things. But I think that's not the, the real heart because because you can be these things and still be somewhat of a mess. I think the heart of the issue, the systemic issue is not being a better husband or a better father, I think it's what it is. And I think where God leads us is is learning how to be a godly man. That's the heart of the issue. That's what God, I think, wants to share with us this morning. What does it mean to be a godly man? I want to be the right kind of man. I want to, I I want to, I want to be faithful. I want to do those things. And because if I am a godly man, then guess what? I'm going to inevitably be a godly and the right kind of husband my wife needs. I'm going to be the right kind of father that I need to be if I learn to be a godly man this morning. But if I'm honest with you, there's a problem. I mean, there's, there's a problem. And you know what the problem is? The problem's me. <laughs> the problem is, is us, guys. I, I'm, the pro- I'm the problem. You know why? Because I like things my way. I really do. Like I, I mean, I'm, I'm Copernicus like I, I all the planets revolve around me you know what i'm saying this is like my little universe and and you get to be invited in sometimes you know what i'm saying it's just this is my world. i i'm cuz i i like me i like i like the, the having fun my way i like doing things my i like accomplishing my agendas i like living out my own life and and uh it's machismo it's it's pride it's it's all about this guy i he just like me that's unfortunately that's the problem because a lot of the things that I want, a lot of the time, sometimes are, are laced in sin. And that's been with us since the beginning of time. We were unfortunately kind of born into it thanks to our, our first parents. And, and one thing that you need to understand about sin is that sin, our choices, when we play this game, when we sit on the throne room of our life and sit in a seat and we make ourselves God, there are consequences to those choices, And I want you to know right now that your sinful choices are always collateral. You think, no, I'm just doing this sin in in private. No one's going to know, guys. But can I just say it is always collateral. It never just affects you. So stop thinking that. Stop buying into that. Even the most selfish choice you can make on the planet by even committing suicide is the most selfish choice any person can make. That has collateral damage. It affects everyone in your life, including sometimes the people that you say that you love the most. Our sin is collateral. Bottom line is when men are idle, when we when, when we begin to place ourselves in a position that only God himself has earned and should sit in, when men are leaderless and they have too much time on our hands and we're not engaged in the right things, we begin to follow our own lessons, desires, don't we? We get to do, we, we do what we want to do. We get to go where we want to go. We want to engage in things that we want. And sometimes it's not about doing anything. Sometimes it's not doing the things we need to be doing. Sometimes we're just passive. Guys, we, uh, sometimes, you, and you know what I'm talking about. You've been sitting in the passenger seat of your marriage and your family your whole life. I mean, this whole time. You're the passenger and you've let your wife be the driver. Can I just say that that's backwards? According to God's creative order, that's backwards. We need to stop, we need to stop being passive and start being proactive and we need to start moving into this direction of where that, I mean, this place of where we're actually in the driver's seat and we're being a part of what God wants us to to not just do, but who He's calling us to be. I mean, we're not leading the family. We're not actually engaging in spiritually guiding our family. And, and our sin is collateral. It's affecting everyone. How do I know that? Because statistically speaking, one out of every four family right now in the nation exists in a home without a father in it. One out of every four homes don't have a father at home. They just, they just don't. There's no father. One out of every five men, and this, this includes those who go to church, one out of every five men right now are currently engaging in an extramarital affair that no one knows about. One out of every five. So statistically, one out of every five men in this room are having an extramarital affair, and 40% are repeat offenders. I mean, this is where this is, our sin is collateral. Do you see that? It affects everybody. Even if you think it's secret, even if you think it's private. And FYI, as I already mentioned, this has been going on since the day of of, the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. It's affecting everyone. Because of the passivity of a guy watching his wife sin, um, he was just as guilty as as the wife who grabbed the piece of fruit, just as guilty as Eve. It's been happening. In fact, Judges 21, 25 says this, it says, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. You tracking with that? Can you look in our world? Everyone just did what was right in their own eyes. Yeah, that looks good. Let's go do that. Yeah, this feels right. I'm going to go do that. We just engage in all these kinds of things. That's, the problem is me. I'm the problem. We're the problem. Rebecca uh, Pippert, she's an author. She made this statement and I, I thought it was incredible. She said this, whatever controls us really is our God. The person who seeks power is controlled by power. The person who seeks acceptance is controlled by the people he or she wants to please. We do not control ourselves. We are controlled by whatever the Lord of our life is. So whatever's caught this has you. Whatever's here owns you. And it's controlling you. And it's leading you and it's having collateral effect on everything in your life. Now, if you're, you're also like me, you might have gotten to a place in your life where you've maybe you, you sinned that one time or you made that horrible decision and you got in your car and all of a sudden, you know what? You just screamed out like you're just, I'm just, I can't, I got to stop doing this. I gotta stop making that decision. I gotta stop going there. I mean, you just, you're just tired of it. Do you you understand? Like that's not an accident that you feel like that. There is, there is the God of the universe that wired you men with warrior-like tendencies in your heart and soul. I mean, it is etched deep in you. I mean, so that, so all of a sudden something's wrong, something's not right, and it just, it kind of bubbles out of you. That is intentional, men. There is this warrior inside you. There's something, there's a fire inside of you that begins to rage and you're like I don't want to go that way I don't want to make that decision I don't want to be that kind of person I want to be this kind of person I want to head in this direction and it comes up do you know why I mean it's the same reason why when we watch John McLean at Christmas die hard come on like we watch die hard and and you know what all of a sudden he's against the ropes he's against all odds and you're like John mcclane has got this he's got oh yeah, yeah yeah He's, he's going to handle this, and he does, and he does, and we're like, yes! you know. Or, or, or some of you, I like older movies. You, you watch The Dirty Dozen, right? And you see Jim Brown at the end, and and he he accomplishes the mission, even though he costs his, you know, it costs his life. And you're either cheering or crying because you love Jim so much. You know, you're just you're like yes. But it just kind of it kind of bubbles up in you. That is intentional. There is warrior-like tendencies. There's things in your heart that God intrinsically has planted from inside of you when He wired you, when He put you together. It's also why we want to see our children go further than us. It's why we're willing to try to love our wives even if it costs our own life. This, this is in us. This is who we are. And maybe you're there this morning. Maybe you're like, I'm tired of doing it this way. I'm tired of this. And I think God wants to speak to us this morning through one man. Through one man. One man in the Bible. And his name is Shamgar. Say that with me, Shamgar. Shamgar. Just, a, just an average guy. In fact, he's, he, he, he comes across so average that he hold there's one verse to describe him. I was trying to make it easy for you guys. i was going to do one, you know, one verse for you guys. One verse. And his whole life can be summed up in one verse. Shamgar. But this guy got to the point of what I'm talking about right now. He just, he couldn't, he couldn't take it anymore. He goes, I, I can't continue to see things go this way. I can't continue to, to walk this way. I can't continue to, to see. I, I, and he did it not because of anything else, but because he loved his God. And he believed his God and he says I can't be passive anymore when greatness awaits me I can no longer stand by the wayside I can no longer and I want I'm telling you right now this man has challenged me in so many ways and I believe he's going to challenge us this morning so if you have your Bibles I want you to turn to Judges chapter 3 it's going to be up here on the screen here in a moment before I do I want to read you a quote by Erwin McManus that speaks to where we are even right now. And this is what he said. He said, there is this call to never settle. To never quit about what God intends to do with your life. Because in the end, the one thing where you must never settle for less. Is the calling that God has on your life. The purpose For which you were created. Every single one of you. The impact he designed you to make in the world. I think Shamgar leads us exactly there this morning. So if you have your Bibles, look at Judges chapter 3, verse 31. One verse this morning. This is what it says. It says, After Ehud, Shamgar, son of Anath, rescued Israel. He once killed 600 Philistines with an ox goat heavenly father we invite you into this place holy spirit we invite you to move and work like only you can would you say the words that need to be spoken and you would change us in the way that only you can change us lord jesus burn something in us stir something in us that has never been stirred before god would we as men we and and women this morning would we walk away changed walk away different ready to start anew lord jesus we love you we thank you and we praise you in jesus name we pray amen there's one verse about shamgar just one I mean, and, and, and there's a couple things that we can kind of extrapolate from, from Shamgar and his life. Now, uh, he's, he's one of the judges. He's found in the book of Judges. And if you know anything about Judges, let me explain the book of Judges to you just, for, just real quick. The Judges, if, if you read through the book of Judges, you're going to see all these different names. Othniel and Ehud and Deborah, and Shamgar, and all these, and Samson. I mean, these were classified as judges. And so the best way to describe a judge is is there wasn't a king of Israel during that day. And so God raised up flawed men and women to come in and lead to come in and deliver the nation of Israel at times to come in and do what no one else seemed to be doing or interested in doing because when you begin to study about where the nation of Israel was at that time I mean they were they were in a bad place they were in a they were they were continually Sinning, continually turning their back on God, continually chasing down their own way, chasing down their own path. And they just, they they wanted what they wanted. They wanted to live their life however they wanted to live. Because us as men, we love, we love our darkness. This is what John chapter 3 verse 19 says. It says, this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men loved the darkness rather than the light that sound familiar we just like what we like for their deeds were evil so during that day not any different than this day things were bad i mean really really bad but shamgar said i'm done with this i'm fed up there's a there's a threshold in the heart of men that I can't take it anymore. I can't just. I can't just go with mediocrity. I can't just go with status quo. I can't. I can't stay there anymore. I've. I've got to go above and beyond. And and that fire that began to burn burned brightly in Shamgard's life. And I think he teaches us three things. Three simple things. Three simple things. I think he challenges to, challenges us to start where we are, to use what we have. Do all that you can do. Start where we are. Use what we have, and do all that you can do. What do what do I, what do we mean by start where you are? See, all of a sudden, this this fire is burning in Shamgar, and he's he just doesn't even know what to do with. It. He can't even contain it. And, but he goes to the Lord, and he's and you can imagine he's he's got a he's got a gut check. He's checking his own gut. He's checking his heart, and he's 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 going, God, where, where do I even begin? I mean. Our nation is so far, I mean things are going bad. I mean, where do I even start? What is my starting point? A couple things we can learn we can know about Shamgar. We can kind of pull from this that Shamgar probably was a farmer. Just a farmer. You know why? Because of the tool, his weapon of choice, we saw it in Oxcode. He's just he was just a farmer. He's an ordinary guy. But he also had the title of son of Anoth. Now I think that was more of a nickname. Because Anath was actually the name of the Canaanite goddess of war. So perhaps, perhaps Shamgar was an ex-military guy. He served his time. He was, and and the better way to describe it is, is Shamgar, son of battle. That's the way you can actually define it. Shamgar, son of battle. So this guy, he served he was a warrior at one time. He saw, he, he put in his time. He put in his effort. But then you know what? He got to a place in his life where he set that aside and he wanted to find his own life of comfort. He gets this farm. He gets this little piece of land over here. Does this sound familiar? I want to get to a place. I want to do what's necessary so I can just relax. So I can just live my life how I want to live. And that was available to Shamgar. I mean he just he he did that and he goes I want to separate myself and this is this is my world I want to I I just want to be free of I want to have peace in my life free from all these other things all these other past things that I ever had this is where this is where Shamgar got to Truth is is Shamgar wasn't looking to be a hero I mean he really wasn't he he was just an ordinary guy this fire in him wasn't birthed in any other way but because of his love for his God. His love for his God bubbled up. over He goes, I can't look at things wrong and leave them. I can't stay where I am and be okay with that. So this man who had set himself up where he would thought that this is in the past. I am now living my life of comfort. And we guys, modern day, guess what we do? If I can just get my little nest egg and get to that place and just finally find comfort, then this is my world and the whole world can disappear. This is me. This is where I'm at. And I'm telling you right now, that's got to stop. God has more for you, men. God has more for you. And even this morning, he has more for you. And there's a fire that I think he wants to stoke in your heart and in your soul right now that maybe has never been kindled. And he wants to touch something deep inside your soul and your bones to say, there's a fight in you. There's a fight in you. And you need to let that come out. And you need to let it bubble up and bubble over. And you need to start where you are. But I think while he's doing this evaluation, this gut check, there's two things that I think we're required. And this is hard for us men. I think he had two things that he had to face. He needed to be honest and he needed to be transparent. Those two words, we think those are sissy words sometimes. We don't want to do that. Whoa, that's too touchy. The words themselves are too touchy-feely, Joel. I don't like going there. But we, we've got to start being honest. We've got to start being transparent. And I think he did that because the, I think when he evaluated himself, he goes, this is where my starting point is. I'm a farmer. I'm a farmer. I believe that, that I believe that God is enough. That's what I believe. I believe God is enough and I believe and I am willing to never quit till obedience was found. I believe that was his starting point. That was his starting point. This is where I am. So let me ask us men this morning, if you're honest and you're transparent, what's your starting point sort of look like? I think the first thing, for me, as I think we can't get, away, and I think we can't get away from this, is I, I think we just have to start with. Joel Oates is a sinner. I'm a sinner. Now we don't like that. We, 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 don't, we don't like that label. You know why? Because because all of a sudden that it, it feels weak. I can't I can't own that. I can't I, I want to no no I'm not I'm not that you know and so there's a story that was shared with me. See, I don't want to be just a sinner. There was a story that was shared with me. Um, it was a fictitious story about this guy that went to heaven. And he walks up to heaven, and all of a sudden, he's handed this ticket. And on this ticket, you know what it says? It says one word. It says sinner. It says the word sinner. Well, all of a sudden, this guy's like, yeah, I don't like that. So he, he, pulls, he pulls out this, uh, this pen or pencil, and he, he scratches sin around. And then at the top, he goes, but I went to church every Sunday, and I, I was faithfully serving every Sunday. And then he stands before God and then and God says, uh, you know, why should I let you into my kingdom? And all of a sudden he hands him this ticket and on this ticket he sees all these things written on there and God ha- takes this ticket and he goes, I'm sorry, I, I can't, can't work with that. And he hands the ticket back to the guy. And this guy goes, oh, oh, okay. All right. So he scratches that out and then he goes, but I went on missions trips and I gave a lot of money to the church. And then he hands it to God and, and God goes, yeah, I, I can't, I can't work with that either. And then, uh, and so this back and forth sort of scenario takes place, and he starts writing all these things that he can think of. God, I know I'm not I'm not a sinner. I'm I'm not as bad as my brother. I'm not as bad as this guy. And he keeps writing these and handing it. And God keeps going. I can't take that. I can't work with that. And finally, he erases everything. And with the only thing that on that's on that ticket is the word sinner. And he goes to God and he goes, This is all I got. This is all I am. And he looks at that and he goes, I can work with that. I can work with that. See, the starting point for every man in this room, the starting point, to start where you, to start where you are, you have to come as you are. To start where you are means coming as you are. Meaning I can't throw, it. no, you can't. You need to come as you are. Which means some of the men in this room, if statistics ring true, you got some secrets. You got secrets. You got secrets that the person you're sitting to right now doesn't even know about. It could be, it could be an extramarital affair. It could be a substance abuse that you don't let anyone else know about. It could be a porn addiction. It could be, I don't know what it is. For others of you, maybe it's not a secret, but maybe it's passivity. Maybe it's this, this sin of passivity. I've just, I'm going to live my world, and 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 so my wife and I, we're just live-in roommates. That's the best we got. We're not fighting. Just because absence of conflict does not mean healthiness in a marriage. It just doesn't. Just because you're not fighting doesn't mean you're healthy. Some of you, maybe you've learned to disciple your co-workers better than your own children because you spend more time there than at home. I don't know God is I I think and you're like but Joel I don't want to go there you know why because if if I start letting light shine in on these secrets on these things you don't it's going to cost so much I may it's too hard to start no I'm here to tell you it's too hard not to start God has eternity God has more for you men Stop buying into the lies of the adversary and let let God's light shine into your life so you can be more than you are. Because until you're willing to come as you are, you're never going to start. You're never going to start. And this is the starting point for us men. So that we can then not only say, God, I'm a sinner, but I can also believe that God is enough. I can also be, be willing to never quit and go the distance and go further. What are we doing about it? Are we willing to start? Are we willing to maybe have some hard conversations? See, we play this, we play this game no, this is the this is the game when it comes to sin. Okay, um, God's God's you know God's over here and I'm over here and we think somehow Joel, I got to get my life together, then I'll come to church. I, I got to deal with all this sin and I'll, get, I'll I'll figure it all out and then I'll come to God. Do you understand how backwards that is to the gospel? God, Jesus doesn't go, hey, why don't you get your life together and then come to me? No, God goes, come as you are and I'll work in you, and I'll heal you and I'll take your brokenness, and I'll take your pain, and I'll do all these things. This is what God wants from us. Stop playing that game. Stop buying into that lie. It's no, come right now as you are, and God is going to work. I promise. See, God is not looking for heroes of their own story. He's really not. He is looking for repentance and humility so that jesus christ can be the hero of your story that's what jesus does jesus wants to be the hero of your story but you got to just come as you are that's our starting point but i think jam gar got that he understood that he's like this is where i'm at and then he looks and he goes well well what can i use what do i got because it's not just starting. He's looking around going, okay, God, I, I, I want to do it your way. I want to start, but, but, you know, I, I, I'm just a farmer. And he begins probably looking around his farm. And you know what he identifies? He identifies an ox goad. And he picks up this ox goad. Now, again, foreign invaders had made their way into Israel. And so they had confiscated all the weapons of the Israelites. So they didn't have an arsenal. They didn't have anything like that. So he just looks around, and he's just looking, and he's like, "I I got an ox goat. and an ox goat is about an eight foot pole, and it's got this super sharp iron tip on one end, and it has like this iron hook, sort of um, this chisel-like iron blade at the other, and they use it for cattle and, and ox, obviously, and and it kind of looks like a spear, like a like a makeshift spear, and so he's looking around, and this charges me up because he goes, he looks around, and he's like that'll work. And he comes over and he picks this thing up and he, and, and all of a sudden he's like, this, this is what I got. And he goes and he declares war on the enemy. I mean, I'm, I'm fired up when I hear this. I mean, this is, this is like a Red Bull for me. I'm looking at this thing and, and he comes up and, and he, he comes up against 600 Philistines and he's like, I got you. I got you. Not because it's in me, but because of who is in me that actually is going to allow me to fight a fight I could never fight on my own. And he goes toe-to-toe, and with this makeshift duct tape at the end, iron point, he goes and he, cre- and he engages in a battle he never thought he could win. And some of you men think you cannot win that battle. But understand this, when an ordinary man is wielded in the hands of an extraordinary God, he does extraordinary things in and through you. See, God is not looking for your skill, cause that's what you're thinking. You're like, Joel, okay, let's, let's think modern day. I can't sing on the stage. I'm not a, I'm not a speaker. I can't get up here. And, oh, I can't, uh, I'm an introvert, so I can't welcome at a door or, or I can't go serve the, the homeless over at Gospel Rescue or, or all these different things. And like, I'm not skilled. And so God is not looking for your skill. He's looking for your faith. He's looking for your faith to trust that Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough see understand this and you're saying, well Joel I, uh, well, what does it mean that Christ is enough that what has he given me that's enough and here's first, second Corinthians chapter 12. this is what Paul said in second Corinthians chapter 12 verse nine he says, "My grace is all you need this is Jesus my grace is all you need wait again I you, you don't mean I have to come with all this skill set? No, no. My grace is all you need. And as a matter of fact, my power works best in weakness. So backwards from the world, isn't it? The world says, no, you got you to gotta be a man, not cry. Step up, you know, put your big boy pants on and, and step into these environments. You can handle it. And the truth is, and what Paul's saying is, is you can't handle it. Celebrate your weakness and let Jesus reign. That's what Jesus does. His grace is enough for you. You're right you can't fight. I can't fight. I'm not enough for my kids. I'm not enough for my wife. Jesus in me is enough for both. Jesus is enough. This is what he's calling men. There's a warrior. There's there's someone bigger in you. And someone greater in you that wants to do more through you. But it's Being willing to start and it's being willing to to look at, well, what do I got around me? You got Jesus, it's enough. It's just enough. Jesus is enough so that you can declare war on the greatest obstacle, on the greatest enemy, on the greatest failure. You can declare war and it's enough. You just need to be willing to have the faith in the one that is enough. To say, you will accomplish what I can't. Not only do we start where we are. And not only do we use what we have as men, this is what this is what Shamgar is challenging us. He did all he could. Do all you can. This is where like Gladiator comes to my mind. This is where like the movie 300 comes to your mind. You're like, I am Sparta, you know what I'm saying? And I'm going to do everything I can. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give back. I am not going to I'm not going to just fold and become passive once again and just let sin rule and reign in my life or in my family's life. No, I'm going to step into environments that I never thought I could step into because of the Jesus that's in me and he's enough. And even though it may take time, even though it may take years for healing, years of of his grace coming in and doing what only he can do, I promise you it'll turn the tide. Because when Shamgar said, I can't do everything, but I can do the right thing. When he made that statement, I can't do it all, but I'm going to do the right thing. God brought him into this, this environment, this this place, and he defeats 600 men. It just, it blows me away. I mean, like jujitsu's got nothing on it. I mean, this guy is like, I mean, it's it's better than, you know, remember the Sunday afternoon karate you know, do you guys ever watched. I, I, we watched that growing up all the time. You'd watch those, like they're taking on like 40 men, 50 men. No, that's nothing on Shamgar. Shamgar, this farmer goes, yep, this is all I need. I got my God, it's enough. I'm heading out there and I'm going to topple enemies bigger and greater than me. Why do you think David could see a Goliath actually defeated? Not because of David. Goodness, David's not the hero of that story. Jesus is. Stop thinking that David in his little wimpy power gets out there and, oh, I just, I'm pretty good shot. No, that's not David. David just happened to be at the right place at the right time. And he had a warrior like God behind him going, I'm going to take down that giant. I get the glory. I get the victory. My name will be proclaimed because that's what matters. This is, this is our God. He did all that he could. And he wants to do everything he can in and through you so that you can do everything you can in and through this world. And here's the, here's the great part about this. Shamgar, Shamgar, it says, rescued a nation. You know what that tells me? One man can make a difference. One man. Yeah. One man. One man that said, I'm done. One man that said, I'm going to start. One man that said, I'm just going to use what I got. and, And I'm just going to believe that God is enough. And I'm going to do everything that I can every single day. One man rescued a nation, which tells me that one life, one man can change the course of a family. One man that says, I'm done. I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to start. One man can change the course of a marriage. One man can change the course of the wayward children that you think will never come back. You're like, well, I was a horrible father growing, I mean, as, as my children grew up. That's fine. Start today. Start loving them well. Start being present in their life unlike ever before. It may take time, but guess what? I, I, if, I, if you read what I read, His grace is all you need. His grace is all you need. It's all that you need. Willing to fight and do all that we can, he takes ordinary men, and he does extraordinary things in and through him when he's wielded per- correctly in the, his hand. Psalm one nineteen verse eight says this: "I will," David said. "This I will obey your decrees." It's just simple. Please don't give up on me. And that that's the simple plea. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to do all. I'm going to obey your decrees best as I know how. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to start being that man. Don't give up on me. Don't give up on me, God. That, that is a prayer that does not fall on deaf ears. It is not. He hears you when you cry out to that. It's easy to believe and read an Old Testament story like Shamgar. You're like, well, that happened then. Shamgar, yeah, sure, I've read Old Testament, walking on water, all that kind of stuff. It's easy to believe that God could do it then, but here's the greater challenge, the greater work. Do you believe that God can do it now? Do you believe that? Do you believe that God can, can overcome your greatest obstacle, walk through your greatest sin, your greatest addiction, your greatest fears? Do you believe that God can do that now? I do. I want you to believe that with me, church. I want you to to understand that real life church is about real people walking through real stuff so that we can be the real followers of Jesus this world has ever seen. This is what God is calling us to. It's time. It's time. It is time to become the Shamgar needs you to be. And here's what's great. You don't have to do this walk alone. Turn your attention to the screens as you watch this quick video.
1: Men, it's been a long road, hasn't it? And it's a journey we can't do alone. There's been something stirring for a while now. The need for a safe place a brotherhood where men can carry each other's burdens. For many who wouldn't like to admit it, we've been living our lives guarded, handling everything on our own, because that's what men are supposed to do, right? But for those of us who put our trust in the Lord, it's time to step into a greater calling and come together. And as iron sharpens iron, we too will sharpen each other. Not for our own self-worth, but to be the disciple-makers Christ has called us to be. Soldiers for our Savior. A focus on a Christ centered life. Becoming a light of hope and truth in our community. Together, we're not only going to learn how to fight, but how to live. Are you ready?
0: I'm going to ask all the men. I'm going to ask all the men right now to stand. Young, old, doesn't matter whether you're a father or not. I want all the men to stand right here. All the men, young, old—it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, brother. Doesn't matter. I want to ask you. I want you to come. I want all the men to come forward right now. Just, just fill this. We're going to have a conversation real quick. I want you to come on forward. It doesn't matter. I want all the men, young, old. Doesn't matter what walk of life you're in. Come on. I want you to fill this whole, this whole stage right here. Just right here, because we're going to have a conversation. Every single one of you, every single one of you that claim the name of Jesus, you have enough. You have enough to be the men that you always wanted to be. It's in you. You know, there was a time in my life where I grew cold to the Lord. I grew cold towards my dad and my, 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 my parents, and you know, it was one of those moments where anytime uh, mom or dad would try to give me a hug. I would like stiffen up. I would get all stiff, you know. And and my dad, I remember uh, every time he tried to give me a hug, I would stiffen up, and I was just cold towards him. I just I didn't want to. I, I wasn't interested in mom and dad. I wasn't interested, and in, I was kind of heading my own way. And and so my dad, one day he was he was laying down on the bed in my brother's room, and I was walking by in the hallway. And my dad said, "Hey Joel, why don't you come in here? Come in here, Joel." And so. I was like, Dad, I got things to do. I don't want to come. And he goes, no, come in here real quick. And so I came in and and he goes, hey, do me a favor. Uh, Lay down with me. And I was like, Dad, listen, I don't want to lay. Come on. I got things I got to do. I don't want to do that, Dad. And he goes, look, just lay down with me real quick. And so I humored him and I laid down. And the moment that I did, my dad's big Marine Corps arm comes wrapping over me. And then his big Marine Corps leg comes wrapping over my legs. And he pulls me in. And you know what I started doing? I started squirming like a fish, man. I was like, oh, dad, you know? And I just kept squirming, kept squirming. And and you know what? My dad, all of a sudden, he whispers in my ear, he says, son, I am not gonna let you go until you let me love you. That's what my dad said. I'm not gonna let you go until you let me love you. And I went, dad, no, I gotta go. I gotta, I got, I got things I gotta do. I'm not gonna let you go until you let me love you. I squirmed for like 30 or 40 minutes in the arms of my dad who would not let me go. And I finally said, my dad's not gonna let me go until I let him love me. So for the first time, I relaxed and I took a breath and I let my father love me. My dad did not have an ox goat on that afternoon, you know what he had? He had his own weapon of Jesus Christ, who loved me through him in a way that I've never been loved before. It changed the way I saw God the Father, it changed the way that I began to interact as a man. He loved me and he fought for me, you want to take swings at the adversary? You want to take swings at the enemy that keeps pounding you, keeps defeating you? It has nothing to do with your skill set. It has everything to do about Jesus and your availability to Him. You want to take a swing? Start loving your wife well today. You want to start taking swings at the enemy where the gates of hell will not prevail? Then you know what you do? You begin to fight for those children. You pray for those children. It's in you. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. He's the weapon that he has forged in you to do more than he, you could ever think. So stop thinking, you're you're I'm inadequate, I've failed, I've sinned. We've all done that. Let's be honest, let's be transparent, and let God move. This is what he wants from us men. This is what a real man is. So stop believing the lies of the adversary. Stop believing the lies of this world. He wants you today, today, right now right now it's in you it's on you i want the women to stand up real quick women ladies you guys all stand up and i want you to extend an arm right now just extend a hand and we're going to pray over these men right now we're going to pray over these men that you begin from this day you start today it doesn't matter about the past you're going to start today and we're going to ask that god moves us to a place he's never moved us to Jesus, I pray right now for the men in this, in this front row right here, right now that said, God, I want to start today. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be transparent. I'm going to have the conversations I need to lay down things. I'm going to let your light shine into me. Jesus, do more. You're enough. You're enough, Jesus. Oh God, you're enough. And I pray that these men would understand that. I pray that the women that are sitting out there, thank you for them. Thank you for their prayers. When the men step up, I pray that they would let them lead. Women need to get out of the driver's seat and let their husbands begin to jump in. And start driving this family. Start driving this the spiritual leaders of their family. This is what God is. This is what real men mean, Lord. Jesus, you alone are worthy. And I praise you for what you are doing. God, thank you for these men. Thank you for what you're going to do. Jesus, we love you. We invite you into this place. This is just the beginning. Let the fire rage. Let it roar. And on July 16th, I hope that they know that they don't have to do this life alone. I invite every single one of these men to come back here on July 16th and be a part of a men's ministry here at Real Life Church that says, I'm going to teach you how to fight. I'm going to teach you how to grow. I'm going to teach you how to live. You don't have to do this by yourself. And we're going to have honest conversations about what God wants us, wants from us, and for us. Jesus, thank you for what you're doing. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said,
1: Do we give Jesus I'll a round of applause? Oh God, the battle
0: belongs to you in every field. Hey, listen, listen, right now. Got it? It keeps working in your heart. Don't let it go. I want you to be here. You can start today. I want you to be here on July 16th. It's a Friday night at 7 p.m. We're going to get together. We're going to rub elbows together. We won't go buckle the buckle because that's weird, okay? You know what I'm saying? All right? It's just weird. But we'll do hip to hip. And we're going to begin to come around each other, and we're going to help you begin to well, fight well, grow well, live well. This is what's going to happen. I want you to be here. Hey, wives, kick them out of the house on July 16th. Okay? They're not allowed in. Kick them out. Say, you're going. Just just get out. Okay? For the next two hours or whatever, God's going to do something through the, the men of this church. You know why? One man can make a difference. It's gonna make a difference in your family. And it's gonna make a and if you can change that family, then guess what? Then God can use one man to change this city. And God can not only change this city, he can begin to change this state. And if he can change this state, he can change the world because of the men right here. Yes. This is what's gonna happen. Are you ready? Are you ready? guys, thank you for being here. If this is your first time, you're like, you got a freaky pastor. I'm okay with that. I'm all right with that. But guess what? God's going to work in and through the lives of the men here at Real Life Church, and it's only the beginning. It's only the beginning. If you're on us, on, joining us online, July 16th be a part God's going to do more than you could ever hope or imagine guys it's so good to be with you if you have, if you need prayer um, there's going to be a couple of us hanging out around here we'd love to pray with you maybe you need to pray with someone that's going to be okay that's for you and for everyone out there if you need to pray there's going to be some people up here hanging out guys I love you it's so good to be with you it's so good to see what God's going to do uh, we don't dismiss here at Real Life Church we sin because out those doors is our mission field and guess what we're on a new mission now man We are on a new mission. And out those doors is our mission field. So you're not a dismissed people. You're a sin people. Go out. Be a light for Jesus. We'll see you next week.